friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I am your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Wonderful to have you here for episode 92, where I bring on a fellow podcaster, Colin Morgan, who hosts the Daily Grind podcast, and his website is dailygrindpodcast.com. And if you guys enjoy all the great guests that I have on the Just Get Started podcast, I think you'll absolutely enjoy the Daily Grind podcast, as the name suggests. Um, it runs five days a week, so every day he has different guests on, talking really about you know how to become successful in your own way, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's just being fulfilled in life, doing things that you enjoy and are making you kind of the best version of yourself. Um, so I think you guys will really enjoy some of his episodes. Go check that out. Um, and I'm excited for you guys to listen in on our uh, interview today and some of the different stories that Colin shares on you know, his transition from professional golf to now running this own business with podcasting and speaking, and he's writing a book as well. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's jump right into it. My chat today with Colin Morgan. Let's get it started. Colin, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for joining today. I appreciate it, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to learn about your journey. This is, uh, we both have some similarities, right? We do podcasts, we have background yep. in golf. I'm sure there's a million of other things that uh, we can get into, but yeah. that's actually where I wanted to start if it's okay. Cause you know, with the just get started podcast, I'm always intrigued by folks that not only are on a certain journey today, but it's where they came from. Um, mm -hmm. And especially when your life was golf. I mean, that was it, yes. if, I, if I recall. And then all of a sudden that takes a backseat to something else. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit. So if we can start there, can, can you share with me a little about childhood? Like, were, was it golf 24-7 or did you start that later, maybe in middle school, high school, or had you been playing that since you kind of, you know, got out of the womb, if you will? You know what it was? It was just sports in general. Like I just loved sports. Uh, I was a, I'm one of three ch children. So my sister's 10 years older, my brother's eight years older. So I had to learn very quickly to, if I wanted to kind of, you know, play with them, I had to be pretty decent at it. So we, I, I remember coming home from school, we played road hockey because I'm from Canada. That was my first love. We'd play road hockey for hours upon hours in different sports with my brother and his friends. And uh, I really thought hockey was going to be sort of the, the lane for me to go play professionally. And then, you know, when I got to about, I'd always played golf, but when I got to about, I'd probably say maybe 12 years old, my father got me into a tournament. And that's when I kind of realized like, okay, I got something here because I think I won, you know, a, an 18 hole tournament by like seven shots. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty decent at this now. And every tournament I was going in, I just kept winning and I kept winning and I, I just loved the game. Um, I'd always loved the game and that sort of drew my, my attention away from hockey and more into golf. And yeah, growing up, it was just, you know, I had, a like I said, such a passion for sports, but for golf, for some reason, it just kind of glued me in. Did you play, because I imagine, right, I mean, you're fine, I'm from upstate New York, so I kind of know the deals, mm -hmm. right, you know, for four or five yeah. months, maybe six, you're you're not playing golf unless you're playing indoors somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was all hockey in the winter, so it was all hockey in the winter, all golf in the summer. And I see that as a huge benefit. Like I grew up and, uh, you know, you kind of envious of California and you're like, oh, you get to golf all year round. But I got my competitiveness and teamwork and hard work and sort of that winning mentality from hockey. So when I got into golf, I felt like I kind of had that sort of competitive edge, which was interesting enough. I think a lot for kids even. I think it's very important to diverse yourself in sports because, you know, a lot of what you do in golf can be related to a whole bunch of different avenues in sports. I think sports is such a great life lesson that you can learn. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I have a seven-year-old and kind of in that period now trying to get him involved in some different things. But yeah. I, I was similar to you. I didn't play hockey. I played basketball. But the same okay. thing. I, and I think it also, you know, you didn't get burnt out. And that's what I've noticed. I used to teach, uh, I don't remember if we talked about this, but I used to teach golf and I was a PJ professional mm -hmm. and I work with a lot of junior golfers and I noticed like they're, you know, down here in North Carolina, they're playing year round and they're burnt out by their, the age of 10 or 11 because they've just been playing so much, but actually having that break. Um, what I think it was Jack Nicholas used to always say, like he would literally, he wouldn't touch a club for four months. I don't think until he start hitting maybe February or, or early March before the masters, um, like yeah. he would just put them away altogether, which just shows that his talent that he can do that. I don't know where I'd be if I didn't hit one for four months, but yeah, so that's pretty neat that, you know, again, what kids can learn at least 
with other sports and how that can relate to golf, which it probably made you a hell of a lot better player. For sure. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, correlated over to business and entrepreneurship and what we're doing now. Like I think being diverse in the different activities you do and and trying new things, I think only helps you out and in, in what you're really trying to work for. So from a golf standpoint, then let, let, let me touch on that a little further. So you obviously went and said, Hey, I'm going to try to play professionally, right? I'm going to try to yep. play with the, the top players in the world. Um, what, what happened? What was it? Did you try for a while and just didn't feel like, Hey, this is not for me. Or did you get burned out? What was kind of the, the story for you in that time? Yeah, for me, it's, you know, I went to, to college and I had a, a poor experience and, you know, I, I went through some things and it made me sort of rethink my life a little bit. And it sort of took my attention off of, you know, what I'd always dreamed about. And, you know, I left after my second year of university to pursue my professional career. And uh, that was really my only option at the time. Like I left university. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like golf's it. <laughs> that's, that's all I'd ever done. That's all I'd ever known as sports. So, uh, luckily in golf, I mean, you can turn professional, you can enter some professional events and Monday qualify. It's actually, you know, if you're pretty good, you can make it up fairly quickly, although it is a grind in the lower levels. And for me, it's just, you know, once I started playing for money, it just really turned into a job. Like it honestly felt no different than someone going in nine to five and clocking in. It's like, that's what it felt like for me where I used to love going to the driving range, hitting putts, practicing, you know, working on my body. I used to love that. And it just now I just lost it completely. And I saw some results early on, which kind of like sparked my interest. And, you know, I'd always have, and I still, to be honest, I always have this belief. Like when I play my best, I can play with those guys. Um, but what you know, being a PGA Tour professional, it's consistency. Like one week, cool, but you got to do that week over week over week and your bad has to be just as good as everyone else is good. And I didn't have that and I got sick of the grind. I was upset. I was starting to become very, very unhappy. And you know, I was in Arizona and I was walking down a fairway with my brother caddying and I just made a decision. I'm like, this is not for me anymore. What I thought I wanted to do, I now need to revamp my life and I mean, it was super difficult after that, but yeah, that was sort of the process of, it was really in college. I lost the, um, sort of kid passion in me. And then over time, I just sort of just ate away a little bit by little bit. Yeah. Well, and so talk me through the mindset then let's say those few days or weeks after, because even like, you know, I changed careers in the past, obviously leaving mm -hmm. golf and going to more of a business sales, those type of things, leaving your passion that you had done for years and years and years and now you're gonna to have to do something totally different yeah were, were you like moping for weeks like it were you depressed I mean, what was years. your what was your mindset <laughs> years years yeah it was very difficult to get over because you know everyone always knew me as you know calling the golfer and the athletes and the professional so even though i hadn't been playing for two years even now like i think it's been eight years you know there's still people i run into like how's golf i'm good now but like at the time it's difficult right because it's like you, when you put your passion into something so much, you feel like your identity is that sport. For me, golf was my identity. And when I lost that, I felt like my identity got stripped away from me. So I felt like just like, what am I going to do? I don't know. Have, I don't have anything. I have zero education. Um, I've been a cart boy at the golf course. You know, I've served a little bit, but like I have no transferable skills. So I thought, and that was super difficult. And I went through a period of like self-sabotage and, you know, not that I was an alcoholic, but I was drinking too much and going out too much and just doing the wrong things. And, you know, it wasn't until I kind of sat back and it's like, okay, I got to figure this out. And, and sometimes you got to go through the real lows in order to start to create that transition. And that's really what happened to me. Like no one, else, no different from anyone else. You know, you got to go through, get dragged through the mud in order to really realize like there's something more and I need to change. Was there anything in particular you did or was there people you talked to? Because I understand. I mean, there's a lot of people out there. I, I've talked with individuals that they, in your position, they would have just said, you know, I'm just going to go get a job. And yeah, I might be pissed off and complaining, but hey, at least I have a job. It's something. And then they do that for 20 years without even you know, blinking of an eye. You decided to yeah. make a change and say, nope, I actually want to do something I'm passionate about and try to find something. Who Did anyone help you during that period or was that just you coming out of it eventually and something clicked? Yeah, I mean, two parts. So, A, I did do the job thing. 
like after I got out, like I kind of went along and what I was comfortable with, like my father grew up with restaurants. He's an entrepreneur. So a, like I always knew that I could learn from him and people in my family were also entrepreneurs. And then for me, you know, I got out in restaurants the only thing I knew. So I served and I bartended, I became a manager of a restaurant, manager of a golf course, a GM for a short period of time. I got in the hotel business. I almost opened my own car dealership. I learned that business. I started an e-commerce site. I started an online golf business. I sold international real estate. Like this was in a period of like two years. Um, but it's sort of the, the thing was I was looking for the get rich quick scheme. Like I'm sure so many people are right. Like how can I make a buttload of money doing something? And then I kind of sat back and learned from my father. And then I started to listen for the first time in my life and realize that I don't have all the answers and to start hearing how other people did it. And once I started to take more of a, a student approach, much like I did in sports, I didn't have all the answers. Once I took that student approach to life and I started to read books and listen to podcasts and, you know, my brother sent me a video on Grant Cardone at the time, I'd watch it. And then I'd start to do little changes in my life. And I feel like over a short period of time of maybe two years after those little changes, that's when it really kind of clicked for me. And I realized like, okay, if I consistently do this now, much like in sports, I can get pretty good pretty fast. Any books you'd recommend? Anything that was powerful? You meant Grant, Grant Cardone, but anything in particular that you're like, wow, this is this this changed the game, at least my thinking. Yeah, one book I, one of the only books I read when I was really young, I got reintroduced to it. It's called The Inner Game of Tennis, and you know, people hear that it's like it's not. I mean, it is a tennis book, but the principles within it, it's all psychology and mindset um, about self one self two. That's a huge book I would recommend to anybody out there. Cause you know, especially if you're trying something new, that self talk that you have is, is so negative sometimes. And to be able to continuously push through that, regardless of what you're thinking or the insecurities you have is important. Um, another one was principles by Ray Dalio that really hit home for me to really realize like I need my own core set of principles and every decision I am going to make going forward are going to be based on that. And that got me out of the shiny object syndrome and get rich quick schemes. And then I'd probably say like little books, like let me look up here. What was it? Expert secrets by Russell Brunson. I read that a couple of years ago and that kind of opened my eyes to the online space. And then, yeah, I'd probably say those three. I mean, there's so many, but those three kind of are the ones that really stand out. What are some principles that maybe that guide you today? Like, are there two or three you'd be willing to share? Just kind of things that you make decisions on based on those? Yeah, so I, I'll share with you like more of a life principle. Like I always knew from a young age that I wanted to do something different from everybody else. Um. So for me, even though like my avenue was golf, I'd always wanted to inspire people and, you know, for people to be able to sort of look up and me to be able to set that example and do something different. And you know, I always used to stand, you know, stare at the window and look at houses and be like, everyone's driving into work at nine. I'm just like, I did not want to do that. So like every decision I make is based on like, how do I get my freedom of time it is a for me. I think time is so, so important. And there's little cues that I continuously get, you know, we're seeing what's happening with Australia, like in the blink of an eye, your life can change with some catastrophic incident that you can't see coming that, you know, a fire just all of a sudden takes over a country or you see what's happening with like little stuff with the U S and Iran and like how that's bubbling over. And it just puts life into perspective. Like, maybe what I'm doing for me at the time, maybe what I'm doing, this isn't what I meant to supposed to be doing, so to speak. And, you know, every decision I make is how can I use my time to do what I really love to do, but also making you know the amount of money so I can do it. But everything I do is just based around to ensure that I have my time. So when did you decide to say, all right, I'm quitting the bartending and the car dealerships and all that and actually <laughs> going in a different direction. How, how was that conversation? I mean, I don't know, maybe your dad helped you. You said you kind of got some assistance there with some guidance. Yeah. Like, like I said, I kind of was always in that industry and like I got into manager roles and um, I was actually like a man manager of a golf course, like I said, for a bit. And, you know, I left that and I'm like, I'm going to go start my own thing. And it failed. And I had to, you know, put my tail between my legs and go back and get a serving job 
and I hated it. Like I think for years I kind of always wanted to get out of it, but I didn't know how. And then my father introduced me to what he was doing. And just over time, he kind of introduced me to his business and I sort of fit in. And you know, luckily he gave me the freedom to, to do stuff on the side, like podcasting, which ultimately gave me the freedom to pretty much branch off onto my own um, a year and a half or two years later. But I would say a big thing was my my father at that time. He was the one who not a, not a lot of people have that in their life, but for me, he was a, a real inspiration and really helped me during those tough times. So why podcasting? You could have done anything, right? There was a lot yeah. of things you could have done. Why why did you also ultimately decide the podcasting route? You know, for me, like I said, I was going through a period where I was wanting to learn from everybody. And at the time I was working with my father, we had a pretty good business going on. He still has it. And I reached out to John Lee Dumas as I was listening to Entrepreneur on Fire with my very first podcast I'd listened to. And you know, I was like a naive kid. I'm like, I wonder if I could be on that show. And I reached out and he said, yes. And I was like, wow, okay. Now I have a chance to share my story. And like most people, you get on a show like that and you're super nervous and you think you completely stuck. But the result of that show was like a $10,000 boost in revenue for our business in a very short period of time from the listeners from that show. So I was like, okay, wow. And I looked at what he was doing. I'm like, this guy makes money literally learning every day. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to get to that point in revenue as quick as he did, but this is a really interesting space and I just want to continue to be in it and it will help only help me with my business. So I did it from a, a selfish standpoint of how can this help my business and a lead gen. And then over time, it's just like people, you realize people listen. And then I got in conversations with them and figured out who they were. And it was sort of this natural progression to ultimately, you know, uh, a year ago to branch off completely on my own. And everything's based around this podcast that I run the daily grind. And it wouldn't have been without uh, sort of this naiveness. And I think that that's also a really thing that I try to take in everything that I do is not to overthink things. And I think the best things that have happened in my life are things that I've just like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to worry about five months down the road. I'm not going to worry about bank accounts. Like I'm just going to start this thing and I'll start to learn over time. And for me, that's just worked. <laughs> I don't know if it's the best advice, but I really do think that people overthink it and oftentimes overprepare. Well, I've had a lot of people on this podcast, I'm sure you had it on yours, that said, Brian, I wouldn't have started if I knew what I got what I was getting into. So yeah. I think almost being naive helps you maybe get on that path. And, and ultimately, sure. once you're on it, you're excited and, and ready to move forward. So, For sure. So for folks that aren't familiar with Daily Grind, what, tell, tell them about what the podcast is about. What can they expect if they listen in? Yeah, it's about people who just want more out of life. I mean, it's geared towards people who are driving in nine to five, you know, Monday through Friday. That's how my show runs. And you're just kind of looking for something different in your life and you're not satisfied. You're unfulfilled. You see other people, you know, making more money and having more freedom of time and are potentially happier and you want something different. And this show allows you to learn from, you know, successful people who have been in your shoes, who have broken out and who have done it successfully. And hopefully through that knowledge um, of the show and through different interviews, you can learn how and get inspired to, to start yourself by just making little changes. And through those little changes, you can really see some massive results. Did, did you have a fear of like putting yourself out there? No, <laughs> let me, uh, I'll explain Like, yes and no. Okay. I never had the fear of what other people thought. And I think that's just came from, you know, I've been through shit and like, I didn't care. I'm like, you know what? If someone doesn't like me for my voice or whatever. Like, but I, I could sort of cringed at my own voice. So it wasn't necessarily like, other people, it was more like my own insecurities, but it was never based on and still never based on what, what, you know, the opinions of others that, that doesn't dictate what I do. No. I, I, that's actually a good point. Maybe to what, if anything, if maybe there's not an answer, just like how I am, but the naysayers, I mean, there's, there's mm -hmm. a lot of them out there. And I think that what, that was me early on where I kind of was for whatever reason, listening to folks 
And that was, you know, maybe fearful to start. I know a lot of people don't like that. Was there anything, was that maybe was the golf background? Was that helpful? I mean, you're in the ropes and you're kind of hearing the, the, the stuff anyways. Did that help or was there anything else that kind of helped you silence those folks, uh, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really given much thought about the golf, but you could potentially say, because I mean, when you're a golfer, you know, essentially if people don't know the sport, if you don't play well, you don't make money. So it's an entrepreneur, right? Like if you don't perform, you don't make money. And, you know, for me, I kind of learned through the pressures of the sport and what that put on me. A big thing I learned is just like how to wake up every day and prepare for a tournament in two weeks. You know, you're not going to see results in a week. You're not going to see results that even you may not receive results in that tournament, but like if you continuously stick with it, you'll see results. Um, yeah, I mean, what was the uh, what was the question again? Just more the naysayers, yeah, the critics, right? The naysay, the critics. See, you've already blocked them out. You don't even, <laughs> yeah, not even worrying about them. No, that's good. I, I well, I, like I said, I think that's most folks have <laughs> a problem starting because of um, just worrying about so many other people. And and you know, I was just talking with um, with, with another gal about this. Was like, you know, the, the whole man in the arena. You probably heard right, Roosevelt, whatever. Like his being able to say like, you know, if you're in, you're trying to do, you can't listen to folks in the crowd because they're not trying. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a testament for folks that are driving forward is that they're, they're silencing those folks and saying, you know what, I can't listen because they don't know what it's like to almost be in here. Um, even if you're going through some crap, I mean, you at least have trying. So yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, like it's always nice to, to hear. You know, what's interesting. I, I, th I actually think at the beginning I didn't like, I, I didn't put much emphasis on naysayers or people tell me like, I always had the attitude, like, tell me I'm not going to do something. I'll, I'll show you differently. But I actually think over time I have learned to listen to them more. And I actually see that as a strength because I think so many of us, when you're starting, like you have to push so much of that noise to the side and I don't feel like that's healthy either. Like, I honestly think you can get opinions from people who aren't Bill Gates. Maybe they're going to be Bill Gates in 15 years from now. You never know. I think judging people based on this scorecard that we, that we place people on, like, I think most of us, we have this scorecard of like, you know, if someone makes more money, they're more, you know, they're smarter than this person. Or if this person has these things, they're better at life than this person. I don't, I try not to, especially now, view people like that. Because I think that some of the best conversations and some from some of the best people I've learned from, the, the biggest lessons I've learned aren't from those people. And I think if I wasn't open to listening to the feedback or criticism, then I wouldn't be, you know, I, I wouldn't be in the mindset I am right now. I just, I have such a, I don't know about you, man. I, I have such a problem with people placing people on a pedestal because I think what it does is when when you score someone higher what you're doing is you're now judging yourself based on others and when someone's below you you're now looking down upon them and i don't think that's health, healthy either i think that's where a lot of the problems come in our world yeah i couldn't agree more i, I mean i'm right on point with you there i think you have to listen yeah what what i'm saying more in the naysayers like if they're if they're criticizing like you shouldn't be doing it like why are you wasting your time yeah. as long as that's not a brick wall and yes. you're still moving forward that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. By silence. I like the, the point you made of like, yeah, I think you should be always listening because who knows, even if you don't agree with them, they might have something that's like, huh, that's interesting. Why, you know, maybe I should try it this way or Hey, let's try it that way. Let's see what happens. As long as you're still moving forward on that journey. Um, and, and they're not really stopping you from it. So yeah, I totally agree. I think too. Yeah. You can learn from, that was a big thing for me. Cause you know, going like I was in sales for a while and it's always like, yeah, you know, especially as you start getting some success in sales, it's kind of like, well, you know, I've been doing this for a while. You don't have to listen. Um, you hear that from kind of the noise and the uh, yep. people you're around. And one of the things I've always wanted to do is, yeah, let me, li I don't care if you're brand new that day and you've never done sales. That's actually probably a better perspective sometimes because you haven't totally. learned the bad habits. So I think you can learn from everyone. I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. Like even, uh, Sometimes I, I get those little things from my girlfriend, like I'll be on the phone with someone and you know, I, I'm talking about a speaking event I'm doing and she's like, why did you say that? I'm like, you know what? I don't know why I said that. You get that salesman breath and it's just, I think it naturally happens no matter who you are, or where you are, when you do it enough, all of a sudden you just feel like you get these little like terms that are going to work and 
if you're just a genuine person as like here who I am, here's how I want to help you. Is that a benefit? You know, let's talk through it. I think that that's a way better. And I think that people like that more. Like you probably know this too. Like people don't like being sold to people like being heard. And I think if you really hear someone and ask questions and listen, they're going to tell you everything that you need to know in order to determine if you can help them or if you cannot help them. And I think that's a really big distinction is to really understand like, I can't help you, but I may know someone who can. I, that's such a great point. I remember it's a, it's probably been a handful of years now, but that was one of, you know, there was probably a handful of turning points, especially mm-hmm. from the sales side. That was one of them when I actually turned a client away or potential, you know, uh, partner and said, you know what, we're not the best fit for you. You need to go yeah. in this direction because it is kind of liberating. It's like, no, I don't have to sell everyone this product if it's not the right fit. Would I want them doing that to me? And then them being unhappy in six months. And what it came down to, I think this is part of who we are, you know, individually is like my reputation, like my integrity is so important for me um, because mm-hmm. I think I am extremely honest. I have a high moral value, I think, in terms of how I treat people. I don't want them to like six months later be like, what the heck did Brian sell me? Because that look, it looks bad on me because I'm like, yeah, why did I do that? So I think to your point, I think it's, it's important for us just to be human. How can we help you? If we can solve it, great. If not, hey, here's another avenue you can go down and you know this may be more uh, beneficial for you and your organization. So yeah, absolutely agree with it's you there. A, it's a tough lesson because honestly, like I was a, I'm one of those people that, you know, I have a way of talking people into something and I, you know, I used to sell people stuff, you know, a few years ago and it's like, you know, I, I can take your money, but that's all I was looking for, you know, and it's just not healthy. It doesn't get you anywhere. Looking short term does not get you anywhere. And I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> Well, that's a good transition because I have a thought down here I want to talk about. That's a good transition. How did you, as you got into podcasting and kind of growing this, um, how did you start getting out of that short term? Hey, I'm going to monetize day one, but say, hey, this is something I want to do long term. I I do want to make this into a business. But how how did you structure it so that this was a long term play that you were giving value each and every time out? It wasn't a quick win. With the podcast? Yeah. Well, I know you're doing some other stuff with that too. You can talk about the inner, the inner circle and yeah. those type of things, but you had to start with the podcast, right? And you had to build up that value first. Yeah. I always like in each and every episode at the beginning stages, like anything else, like you're not familiar with something, you're not as good. I, I stuck to a structure. So I think that that really helped me where I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a set of questions. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to do a rapid fire round. And I did that for about a hundred episodes and the one benefit to that is consistency. I think people like to a certain extent, like if they tune in, they know what they're going to hear and they know the questions and like they're getting something from it. It's not someone sitting back and you know chatting, but I think over time I learned to do more of that. Um, I felt more comfortable with myself and I felt more confident in myself to be like, okay, I can actually contribute to a conversation much like the one we're having right now. I didn't have that confidence early on. I did when I started the podcast, I did start it with the intention of making money. So I, although I had a long-term in mind and I wanted to provide people with value and I wanted to ensure that every episode was good, I did from an early stage, I'm like, I, I want to monetize this. Because I saw so many other podcasts. I went to a podcasting conference, okay, and uh, maybe three years ago. Okay. And the biggest thing I learned is like there's so many people with amazing shows. There was one person who was getting 16,000 listens an episode. And I'm like, man, you must be like killing it in this space. And, you know, I, I asked him like, how much money are you making in, in advertising on your podcast? And he was like, oh, like 1,800 bucks. And I just shook my head. I'm like, I have a thousand listeners and I'm making more than you on it. And I kind of had the approach of, I didn't listen to when you Google, like, what do you charge companies for marketing on podcast? I didn't listen to that. All I did is if I came to you, Brian, I'd be like, okay, Brian, I think that your product, I think your company would be super beneficial to my listeners. I would love to run a little test for you. um, A three episode test based on my numbers, what metrics would you want to hit or need to hit for you to continue on with the show and this be a marketing you know, campaign for you? And I got those numbers down and I simply was like, okay, 
and I did everything I could hit those numbers and some I didn't, but some I did. And the ones that I did, I was able to lock those companies on early on, like fresh books and they stuck on for a year and I was able to really monetize my show from an early stage. And I think that so many people with content think that you can't monetize early. And I think that's the big distinction and big miss people have is that you can a thousand listeners who are engaged, who listen every episode is amazing. You don't need 10,000. A thousand will do for you because they'll only grow from there. And if you really listen to them, get on phone calls, understand who they are, you can start looking at some products and companies that you can start placing in front of them that will actually help them. And for me, that's what I did. So although it's a long-term thing, and I'm like, each day I'm you know, going towards it, I do look at the now. I'm realistic to be like, I still need to you know, make money and live. How did you decide to go to an interview platform? Was that, did you know right away that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, yeah I didn't, or? I was not, uh, I was not confident or I did not think I was interesting enough to do a solo episode. So I'm like, interview is where it's at. And I, as I reached out to the people early on, uh, I was shocked people would say yes. You know, I'd reach out to you and I'd be like, I'm starting this podcast. I don't have a name for it. I would love to have you on. It's all about entrepreneurship. And then people would be like, yes, I'd love to. I couldn't believe it. Um, I got 20 guests before I had the name of the show. And each of those 20 episodes I did, I laugh. I did them shirtless. If you can see me here, I got a big sweater on right now. So I've come a long way, but I did them shirtless because I was so nervous because I was sweating. <laughs> um, but yeah, these reach, are the things you learn. <laughs> well, yeah, reaching out. I mean, I was actually shocked. I still, I'm still shocked sometimes where I'm like, you know, I'm this show, I guess you have some listeners, but it's like, you know, it's that confidence I think is like, no, I think this could be a really, and, and when I started to think, I don't know if you're the same way of like, you know, this is a, it's a two way street. It's, you know, yep. yes, you know, I'm, I'm providing a great platform, but then they're providing phenomenal content as well. So it was, it was a give take. I was surprised at yeah, how many people that said, absolutely, Brian would love to do it. And I, and I think part of that too, though, goes back to, I inherently think most people are good. That's just how I live. And to that point, I think a lot of people have gotten helped in the past by other people to get to where they are. So if they see like, hey, Brian's trying to grow this thing and he's putting the time and effort in, um, you know what? I'm going to give him some time because I think that could be, you know, that could help him out maybe get to that next level. Totally. So, yeah, I it's one of those things like you see it and it's like, it's like with sales, right? If I looked, I'm like, okay, the podcast, someone would come on because it benefits them you know, they see it as value for their business or they just want to share their story and help other people. And my podcast at the beginning did none for the first two. So I just leveraged that point of helping others. And I think you're right. Like I think people are innately good and they've gotten help in the past. And when people have essentially, whatever that means, made it to the level that they're at, they're willing to help people who were sort of starting out. So with the podcast then, is there, so you talk about the structure obviously with, you know, Hey, you had certain questions early on. Yep. Why was the, would you, were you just feeling like you were getting stale with it or was it just like, I got to do something different. It didn't feel right. What was the, cause I think it was at around a hundred episodes or so where you kind of made you, as you mentioned, you kind of made the, this, the switch to go more conversational. Yeah, it was around, around a hundred episodes. I started to change up the questions a bit to make it more conversational. And then I would probably say it wasn't until about 200 episodes in that I scrapped questions um, completely and just went based off of my knowledge of the person and what they're really good at bringing to the world. But yeah, it was one of those things where it was around hundred. I, I felt stale with it. Like it was just like, what's your name? What do you do? I felt like one of those very, very stale. Although people were liking it, I was like, okay, this is going to sustain. I got to do something a little bit different here to make this myself engaged. Because if you probably heard from episode 10 to episode 90, you would hear me not as engaged in those episodes. So I did something different in order to kind of keep myself in there. Yeah, that's why I, I think like, so there's a lot of similarities between you and I, because I, I was the same way. I, I don't remember what episode it was where I started to get like, yeah, I'm asking a lot of similar questions. Like, I don't know. I, like I was almost getting bored with it because I'm like, yeah. I want to know more about these people because you're different than you know, like Sophie that I just, you know, did an interview. Like you're two different people and we can have two different conversations. Why should, you know, why are there similar questions? Yes. I want to hear different answers, but let's go down different tangents. Um, cause I'm more like all over the place as you can probably tell. So, uh, I like the <laughs> tangents cause I think actually sometimes that, that provides the best stories. Um, 
you know, depending obviously on the, the topics we're discovering. So. Totally. But I, I think like probably what you learned is the, is the structure teaches you to do that. It teaches you to kind of like, okay, here's how you actually can conduct an interview and here's sort of where I want to take it. And here's the end goal. And then through that, you can get creative with wording and doing things differently. And then ultimately your sort of freedom of you understand how to get there yourself. But mm-hmm. I think there's real benefit in it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk for a few minutes if we can about the business side, cause you do five episodes a week, right? Yes. One a day you're, you're yep. posting. How do you manage getting the interviews, setting those up, scheduling, you're doing, you know, your episode length, right? I, I think on average they're 30, 45 minutes, some of them long, yep. right? So yep. how, how are you structuring that? How, how does your day look? What's a day in the life of Colin look like? Um, I'm here. <laughs> well, you know what? At the beginning stages, it was a lot of work. Like I hustled, I got up, I did about two hours each day of outreach in order to kind of fill my pipeline. Um, I took some advice early on, so I, I batched episodes. So before I ever aired one, I had 20 down. So I knew that I was good for a month and I always sort of have kept up to that. Um, but yeah, at the beginning stages, all hustle and then something amazing happened like six months in and people started to reach out to be on my show. And now I get 60, 70 inquiries a month to be on the show. So I don't do as much outreach and I learned batching too. So Every Tuesday is all podcasts for me. So I wake up at 5.30 a.m. and I'm done at 7 p.m. And if I'm not recording an episode, I'm editing an episode. I do it all on Tuesdays. And if I really am very productive, which I typically am, I don't have to do it every Tuesday. It's about every three weeks. And I think that for me has been such a game changer because now I can get content out every day without waking up and doing it every day. And again, that goes back to the principle that, you know, I, I led with at the beginning, like I, I value my time. And by doing that, now I have four, day, four to six days left of the week where I can focus on my growth. How do I grow this thing? How do I service my listeners? And how do I continue to push myself going forward? Is there anything you delegate out or are you doing it all? I do it all, man. Like I used to have people who edited the show, but I pretty much like, I don't do as much editing on the episode anymore. So intros are pretty much set. I record my advertising, you know, in advance. So I have my ad spots, which are in advance, personalized each one. And then the episode I place in, I have a, an outro I do every time. So it's kind of like just copy, copy, copy in, make sure it's all good, paste it and go. It's very, very simple. I would probably say, now it takes about 15 minutes to do one. And totally. how are you structuring from an ad standpoint? Are you, you mentioned earlier, but Hey, let's do a test run and you know, see if mm-hmm. it works out. But are, are you structuring these? Are these like 10 episode contracts or these year long? Like how, how do you structure? Is there a certain way you've learned or, or did you make up your own way that's worked? Yeah, I still do a, a test with each, with each company. Um, I believe that about four episodes and with the daily show, that would be over four week, a four week span. So you're not going back to back to back. I think that really gives you the the best idea on whether or not this is the right audience for the company. Cause I really want it to work. Um, and therefore that gives you the boundaries. And once that's set in place, then, you know, we'll, we'll put out whatever a year or half year, whatever they want to do. Um, but for, yeah, it's, it's different with each ad spot. But at the beginning, I only do ads at the beginning of the episode. So I do my intro music, I run the ad, and then I do the episode. And I do that because I want the listener, you don't have to listen to the ad. It's there, but you can skip it. And you could go right and listen to the whole episode and get the content you want. I think a lot of people, I've noticed a lot, you probably do too, Brian, like right in the middle of the episode, you're into it. And then it stops for one of those advertisement breaks. And I'm like, oh, man. What are you doing? I was into it. I just didn't want to have that happen with the people who listen to my show. So I keep it all at the beginning. It's very, very predictable. (laughs) Yeah. That that frustrates me a little bit. I actually (laughs) like one of my favorite podcasts is how I built this and they do that right in the middle. But guy, yeah. I'm like, Oh God. Okay. Like, come on guy. Like let's just go with it. Um, I love that podcast, but yeah, I, I understand. And I understand you just, some people are trying to monetize and they're looking at different ways to do that potentially. So, uh, you know, I don't fault them for it. I just, I like yeah. your approach right at the beginning. Yeah. If you want to skip over it, great. If not, it's actually funny. Cause, um, 
and I don't know if how much you're doing this or if you are like, you know, in terms of what sponsors or ads that like companies you're working with is there ones you choose not to work with. Like I know Tim Ferriss um, and he talks about this. I don't know if you follow him a lot, but he tried that ad free, like it, it tried yeah, to get yeah. his listeners to pay for it. I think last yep. year. And one of the things he said that came out of it was, you know, people actually like listen to the ads and I look at it too. Like, yeah, I look, some of the, the companies he recommends I've used or I've tried to use because I think he actually vets them because it is yeah. I think he's pretty intelligent and he does a lot of trial and error. So I'm like, okay, I trust <laughs> him in terms of who he's you know giving me in terms of an ad. So sometimes I may listen through to see like, Hey, does he have a new one <laughs> a new product that I should look at? So kudos to him, I guess. But are you doing yeah. that at all? Or you, do you vet out, you know, a little bit hard on some of these or is it just like, Hey, I just want to make sure they're a reputable company. Like, is there certain ways you've done that from a monetization standpoint or? Yeah, I make sure they're reputable, reputable for sure. Um, B, I look at with this, you know, is this within the realm of what I talk about? Like, I don't want to have, you know, blue chew on here. I don't know where I heard that recently, but that's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't want to have blue chew on my daily grind podcast. Um, but anything to do with, you know, business and entrepreneurship and habits and bettering yourself, I don't have, I don't feel like. I should be the one to have the ego to be like, oh, this isn't going to help. Maybe it helps someone. You know, if it's as long as it's, with, it's within that, if someone listens to the episode and they're like, oh, my business could use that or that could be really beneficial to me, I, I'm not really like the one to be like, oh, no, that's not good enough for this. Uh, that's, that's a fair as point. As long as the rep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. What are you excited about coming into 2020 and, and beyond? You know what? I, I, I'm blessed to do what I do. I, I'm super happy with it. And, you know, now I'm looking to kind of get into more of the speaking uh, role. I did some this past year in 2019 at universities in the U.S. and throughout Canada. And that's really what I'm looking to do. I'm writing, I'm in the midst of writing a book about uh, power and leadership and how we view that. And, you know, with my speaking, I speak on abuse in sports. It's something that I went through and I feel like for so many people, it's such a good lesson to be able to kind of take your past pain and pass that on to hopefully help prevent issues and help people through things that ultimately every single person on earth goes through something hard. And I think if you can use your past and as a way to positively fuel and educate others, that to me is just such a driver. Like it's such a driver for me. And I'm just right now I'm knee deep in the book and I'm knee deep in, in getting in, in front of more student athletes. What, what, uh, why did you decide? So why, why was the book route? Was that just, have you been thinking about writing for a while or is it just something that popped up recently? It's like, I got to do this. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a, I think the first book I wrote was the podcast revenue generator to teach podcasters how to monetize their podcast effectively. Um, I really, I wrote that in a, on a plane ride home from that, podcasting event that I talked about. Like I wrote that. Like, I'm like, that was it. I wrote it. I think it's, I don't know how many pages it is, but it's good. It's good. But uh, I've never been a big writer, but it's just something where I feel like it's, it's just such a good way to get your message out. And it only helps. I feel like it's like practiced for me. So not every day I'm going to be able to stand in front of a group of people and spread my message and improve that muscle. I look at it as like from an athlete standpoint, every day I want to get better for me. Writing is a way in which I can get my ideas on paper and I can, you know, discover new things and better my speech and, and help that. And I just feel like through the, the novel, whether, whether someone reads it or not, it, it's even a great marketing tool to, to help me do that. That's great. Yeah. I'm actually writing a book this year as well. We should That's mash awesome. up on that. I'd be, I'd be curious to get some insight sure. on you from the editing process and what for you're going sure. through. Um, what about speaking? I'm curious to, you, you threw that out there. You're starting to do speaking. How did that, mm. how did that all come about? Like I said, I, through my college days, I, I faced abuse in sports at, at the highest level. And, you know, for the longest time, I kind of shied away from ever talking about what happened to me. And this is just a way in which to, to, to give people perspective, abuse in sports, levels of abuse in sports are two to three times higher than any major industry in the world. That includes manufacturing, transportation, education, and the military, like two to three times higher. And we see all these stories starting to come out consistently and how people are treated at the Olympic level. And coaches have such power and influence over players 
and young kids out there. And they use that in order to get people to do things that they wouldn't normally do in a normal setting. And for me, I think it's so important for young athletes to realize that they have choices. It's important for coaches to understand the power and the privilege that they have in order to do what they do. And it's not just about winning. There's a cult, there's a thing in sports where it's win at all cost. And when you're a young kid, you're developing people as much as you are to win. And I think that we need to start looking at the very top past coaches. We need to look at owners and we need to look at, you know, cities and, and companies. There needs to be changes with what we do in our government to ensure that kids are looked after student athletes are looked after and there are provisions and things in place in order to prevent instances of abuse from happening. Yeah. That's a really great mission. Um, I hadn't mm-hmm. really thought that was, you know, there was a big need there. So that's awesome. You're sharing yeah. that message. How was it getting on, on stage and talking about that? Like, were, were there any nerves there? Like, Oh my God, I'm sharing this message. Out, which I never <laughs> thought I would. You know, it's, it, it's funny. There's been few instances in my life where golf being one, where I played one of the biggest tournaments I'd ever been in and I was so nervous and I stood up on that first tee and I teed the ball up and it felt like I was where I was supposed to be. And the same thing happened for me with speaking. It's like I was nervous wreck. And the minute I got on stage in front of, you know, 250 student athletes at IUPUI University in Indiana, I felt like this was what I needed to be doing and sort of the nerves went away and all the practice kind of, it just flowed out from me and so it felt like, so it felt right. But I think like anything else, you're super nervous, but there's those little instances in life where things really feel right. Yeah. That's really great, man. Mm-hmm. Where, where can everyone uh, catch the podcast, find you online, connect with you further? Yeah. If you want to check out the show, it's simple dailygrindpodcast.com. Um, there you can check out, future and past episodes and also there's some really great free resources for everyone like a daily grind planner which helps you you know ensure you get done what you need to get done throughout the day and then if you want to follow me along on instagram that's probably where i'm most active in instagram and linkedin uh simply my name colin morgan dgp for instagram colin morgan dgp for daily grind podcast all right so i always like to end on this uh, you know when i listen to podcasts all the time um I'm always writing notes. I'm jotting down, you know, just all these stuff so I can learn better. What would, if someone's has the same notepad, if they're writing something down, what would be kind of a lasting message that you would kind of give them? Maybe it's a quote you live by. Maybe it's something that, again, advice you got that was unbelievable for you that helped you. Anything that you'd share to kind of end the interview on? Uh, I like that. So there could be, I'll go, can I give two? You can give three. You can give as many as you want. (laughs) So I I believe that if you're not where you want to be and you're sitting down and you think that you can do more, I think that that everyday habits that you have in life are what is going to take you to the next level. And I look at change as sort of five pillars of change. So if you hold up your hand, the very first one is your pointer finger. You need to identify that change is needed. You need to be super honest with yourself to realize that I'm not where I want to be because of the decisions and habits that I have. And once you make that decision and you really want that change badly, you'll lead to number two. And number two is when you start to realize all the patterns and behaviors and thoughts and habits that have taken you to where you are right now. These are the things, and I, I pulled up my middle fingers as a second finger because I'm like, this is where it gets frustrating because this is where you actually realize why you are where you are. And then the third finger, number three, is your ring finger, and this is the honeymoon stage. This is when you start to implement good winning behaviors and winning thoughts and winning habits, and this is where you see your greatest results. But like the honeymoon stage, you want it to last longer than the week you're at or you want it to last longer than you want this to be a lifetime and this is where consistency comes in you need to be consistent every day with the little things you do if you want to get healthier you need to do a push-up every day for a month and if you can do that you've kept a promise to yourself and the last thing that kind of glues everything together into this fist and the fifth stage is is you really need a vision for what you want out of life you need to know where you are going to be And the days that are tough that you don't want to wake up or you're sick or you have those self thoughts or people tell you're not good enough. That's what gets you up. You look at where you're going to be and that's 
overpowers everything else that trumps everything else. And if you can follow those five steps and you can really make a positive change in your life and it starts small, like don't at new year's Eve, everyone's like, I'm going to be at the gym for two hours every day. It's like, dude, get up and go for a 20 minute walk for 30 days. If you can do that, then step it up. Like make sure that you're actually completing what you want to complete. So that's my uh, leading off message for it. That's awesome. You know, it's always great having other podcasters on this show. Um, <laughs> always, I mean, it was awesome to get to connect with you and, uh, and glad to uh, obviously hear your story a little bit more. So definitely everyone should recommend to check out your podcast. I've listened to a few episodes, love it. And again, I think it goes back to the thing is anyone, I, I believe anyone can start a podcast, but as mm -hmm. you mentioned, there's gotta be consistency. You gotta go in and actually have a passion for it. You wanna learn, you wanna be that, um, that lifelong learner, I guess. And I, and I definitely yeah. hear that in your, uh, in your podcast as well. So again, thanks for being on and sharing that, uh, that story with us. I appreciate it, Brian. I love the show. I love what you're doing. Everyone show Brian some love. Everything helps with these pie. If you like today's episode, I always say this online. If you like today's episode, man, hit that like button, share this out with a friend, hit him up on Instagram, take a screenshot of the episode, show him some love because it really does help. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview. And if you did, please go ahead and like it, share it, email it, tweet it out, however you want to do it. Um, I certainly appreciate the feedback and support that I've gotten so far for the podcast and look forward to you guys continuing to listen in and uh, getting some great value out of these guests. So remember, you can always connect with me online at Brian Andreco on Instagram and Twitter or my website, brianandreco.com. Just fill out a contact form. I certainly look forward to uh, connecting with you guys further. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.